Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello then, welcome to the Matchball podcast from Oz the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan, this is Michael Normanson. Hello. And I've also got Moscow White with me. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Leeds United 2-0 victory against Wigan. That's all right, isn't it? This is going quite nicely. Top uh, of the league. Absolutely fine. It means we can roll out the uh, the cliche and say that uh, we would have lost that game last year. Mm, well, we, we did. Quite literally, we did. Um, down to 10 men, Patrick Bamford scores, and we did. We chucked it in the bin. Did you have any genuine concerns at that moment? Today or last year? <laughs> well, last year. Well, not even last year you didn't, did you? Not really, actually. No, no. no. it's like, well, we're good this year. This will be fine. Yeah, but we're we good were this coast, year. Coast through the last hour of that match. It was going to be wonderful. Yeah, but we are good this year, and it was fine in the main. A few, we we sort of let them in it a bit more than maybe we needed to at points. But yeah, we we were pretty comfortable throughout. It was a nice victory, all things considered. Hard to find any faults in it. I thought until they had a man sent off, it was looking like a bit of a tough game for us. They seem to be closing us down well. Um, Kiefer Moore up front was getting a fair bit of joy from the centre-backs. Ben White didn't seem to quite know what to do with him. Uh, and I I don't know, I had some concerns, but then once they went down to 10 men, everything seemed fine. Yeah, the problem at the start was they were pressing high and hard and fast and also kicking us a lot. It seemed to be a lot of, like, if they couldn't uh, stop us going past them, they would just foul and uh, so they were definitely setting up to stop us from doing anything. When they were down to 10 men and the others backed off to their penalty area, it obviously made it a lot easier. But we've been through uh, games like that before and come up with results. I had a feeling we'd probably be okay, even without the the red card. And then when we got that, yeah, I just felt like, um, let's just hope history is not repeating the way it tends to all the time. And we got to turn first, I guess, to Patrick Bamford and a great performance today. And we were talking on previous podcasts, will you just hit it? Actually, was it a case today that, was it just bundling him in? Absolutely fine. He needed a couple of those goals off your arse, those kind of goals. That first goal. That first. <laughs> if he'd been another yard further out, that would have missed. It came off his foot at such an angle. I like to think he was placing that very neatly in the corner. Well, he took long enough about deciding where he was going to put it to stand in there going, oh, hmm. I've got myself into a bit of a situation here, boys. You reckon I should put it in the net? Oh, bally ho. We're being mean for no reason. No, it's good. No, I mean he did he did miss hit it though. <laughs> he would surely admit that, that was a that was a quite a bad miss hit from a yard out. And but anyway, he did the, go in. The second goal though, another classic Just run in with it. <laughs> in fairness, he did just bundle it into the net, didn't he? He just 
bundled it into the net. Yeah, we can't we can't uh, ask for one thing and then be mean when he asks for something else when he gives it to us. We've been saying we need him to be a bit rougher and tougher and just stick the ball into the net, and that's kind of what he did, bundling the ball in from whatever angle it was. So we can't then complain that uh, none of his goals were you know twenty five yard clean strikes. Goals. We, is he top scorer in the division now? Must be close. We've, we moved to, top before about the need for someone like Becchio who's just in the right place at the right time and just gets gets the job done. And he has done that. So, word of word for Adam Forshaw, maybe for the header ahead of Bamford's goal as well. It was one of those we got. He can't miss. Oh, he has. Bamford can't miss. He nearly has. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little double whammy of the the two uh, the two scapegoats from this year. But for sure, I thought on the whole, actually, did very well. And I was fairly certain he was going to get sent off as well because he got booked a couple of minutes after their play was sent off. And then it's one of those where you think the ref's going to desperately try to even this up. But he stayed on the right side of it, thankfully. Yeah, it's one of his games where you it wasn't such a concern that he was in the box because he actually looked like he might score. Um, today, there were a few good uh, chances that he didn't do much wrong with, um, even with that header. Um, but yeah, he was... Uh, dangerous attacking and Harrison I thought was really good as well Harrison seemed to have um, as much space as he needed or wanted absolutely fine every time the ball went out there to him their fullback was just elsewhere and uh, and didn't seem to have a way of controlling him I thought Harrison as well was along with Bamford were both pushing up really well on the fullback as well there were a few times when he was not really comfortable in possession and those two were both charging him down and he just had to lump it upfield or kick it out of play which is good to see. A lot, everything seems to come down the left actually today. I thought the Douglas and um, Harrison link up on that side seems to be where everything was focused, even when Costa came on, which was a bit of a frustration because I kind of wanted to see him have a bit of a turn as well. Yeah, we've not really seen Costa actually, although he had gone one uh, good run down the right when him and Stuart Dallas set it up, but then it did end up with a shot for I think it was Harrison's chance or four shots that we went across the front of the penalty area. Um, yeah. Not seen enough of uh, Costa to, I mean, it's only been three league games, so I suppose it's fine. We will, unless Bielsa just decides to leave him on the bench all season, do what he's doing with Jack Clark, get a £10 million um, lone winger and just not even put him in the squad because we've got a, a Spider-Man goalkeeper to accommodate. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like that as a move, though. That's just a, a piss take for Spurs, just saying... Yes, you did pay ten million pounds for him, but he's not good enough for my team. Yep, we will uh, will aid his development in the championship by uh, not playing him. He can play in the under twenty threes, where, where he where, belongs. Where he belongs, indeed. It is starting to look like quite a good move, that one, isn't it? Like he could come on as an impact player, maybe play in the league cup game, stuff like that. But you can't see him getting that much closer to the first team, really, as it stands. He's where he should be for his age and his development, which is uh, around the bench of a championship team. Same with Jamie Shackleton. It's like, this is the year that maybe you get yourself a, a starting position in the championship by the end of it. The advantage with Jack Clark is that Spurs have given us 10 million quid for him. So your little lad's uh, shirt money is being well spent, re- recycled into the club. <laughs> he won't be a Spurs fan. I will cure him. Don't worry. No matter what it takes. But yeah, it was nice to see just about everybody have a good game today. And, and we mentioned... Bamford and Forshaw as two players who've probably been on the receiving end of most pelters from the fans, and they were both good today. They were. I thought they both did did their jobs. Forshaw, again, he's he's kind of unconvincing in the like when he gets a shooting opportunity, but he's, everything else he did was brilliant. I thought. Yeah, we could point out a couple of Bamford's attempts to actually shoot the football were his usual kind of 
uh, weak. But efforts. no, I, I'm sorry, but you don't have any grounds to do it when he scored twice. No. Yeah. So, but as I was saying earlier, he's he's done what we uh, ask him to do, and the the professionalism and uh, the control throughout the game, while uh, Paul Cook was doing his nuts on the sidelines constantly. And Leeds never really got drawn into any of that. There did seem to be a, a definite Wigan plan that they were going to try and kick us off the field. Um, and we just, a couple of yellow cards, but um, played it quite cool and got some, we got some stuff off the referee, that foul off the ball on Bamford when uh, um, we ended up with a free kick for it and the player was booked is exactly what we needed against Nottingham Forest when uh, Liam Cooper was dragged down by Graben in the build-up to um, them winning their goal. So at least we got that one today, and we pl- yeah we played it all quite cool, and we're almost although we didn't end up with a scoreline that was um, six or seven nil. We it was the kind of performance of seventy eight percent possession or something, and just bullying them, just not letting them have the ball. It was a very good bit of game management, and that's the thing when you look back on last season where it perhaps went a little bit wrong. Last season was those games that got away from us when we lost control of those games. So I think. That's probably one of the big starting points, isn't it, that we need to establish in each game this season is being in control. And you never felt, particularly judging by Cook's actions, that Wigan ever had a handle on that game. No, I think the game plan went out the window when their plan to kick us resulted in someone being sent off pretty much at the start of the match because that was that was obviously the idea, was that they'd, they'd cycle through the whole team, fouling us, breaking things up. And then as it... In fairness, the, it was definitely a second yellow card, but the... It was one a bit like Barada's in the playoff game where he had been fouled before and then it resulted in him lunging in. So I think Cook was annoyed at that, which you can sort of see the point of, but equally, you know, you can't just try and snap people's ankles just because you yourself have been fouled. So fuck him. <laughs> I thought the nice thing today actually was that we won without Hernandez being particularly good, which we don't often do. He's normally normally if we win a game, he's right at the centre of it. Whereas today I thought he was possibly one of our quietest players. Doing all right still, don't get me wrong, just fine. Just not quite standard Pablo. And maybe that's just a reflection on they were slightly stronger perhaps down the left uh, in defence and not on the right because Harrison got lots of joy, whereas Pablo was one of his quieter games. But maybe this is a good uh, chance for us to say we've addressed one of the problems from last season, which was over-reliance on Pablo and that Harrison's picking up some of that slack. I mean, potentially they were trying to particularly mark Pablo and then it that's what was creating the space. I, I wasn't watching that bit carefully enough to, to actually know. Maybe we'll find out more during the week. Uh, but yeah, still was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Pablo had a bad game. Everyone was steady away today. And, it, it was, um, and the other pleasing aspect of it was that they had a, a big, tall striker that they were lumping balls at. And we coped absolutely fine. Everybody's saying Ben White and Liam Cooper aren't going to be good enough to deal with the, the Warnocks and the, the Wiggins of this world. But there was a big lump. And there were lots of balls being lumped at him, and we just won him. I thought the referee bought a lot of stuff he did as well, because he, he was doing a lot of, um, this is Keith Moore up front for them, he was doing a lot of grabbing around the back, sort of initiating contact, and then letting go at the key moment to then make it appear he was fouled. And he did it over and over again, and the ref continually fell for it. But none of it was anywhere near the goal, so it didn't really matter. It, no. was, it was tended to be about 40 yards away from our net, which is fine. And credit to Ben White as well for being booked for persistent fouling quite early and then um, managing to rein it in and have a really controlled performance. I thought that was good, really encouraging. Can we have him? Yeah, I'd like to. I think, um, unfortunately, it looks like Brighton will probably want him back. They've spent uh, big money on new defenders, though, didn't they, by Adam Webster. 
So there is possibly a conversation to have next summer of, do you really need him? Can we just have him? And Kiko as well, you know. Let's not forget Kiko had a really good game today. Some good saves in there. A couple of Hollywood moments as well, which was nice. I particularly like the bit where he uh, uh, ran outside of his box to throw the ball. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I missed that. When was that? Uh, it was it was borderline. I I doubt uh, it wasn't given, but the the fans and some of the players were pretty sure that he'd he'd crossed the line of the penalty area as he was bowling the ball out to uh, to somebody. Um, he just kind of he laughed it off. He was he was doing it just like nah, mate, nah. Did you see? Uh, it's not confirmed by the police or ambulance authorities, but did you see that he apparently crashed his car this week. I did see that. Well, he's uh, he yeah involved in a minor road accident in uh, Collingham with a uh, a woman there. Showed great concern for uh, uh, she was uninjured. Nobody was uh, damaged in this, but he he was showing proper concern for her condition and uh, very much as he did with uh, really more concern actually than he showed to Liam Cooper when he punched him in the first game. <laughs> but uh, no, he was very good. Um, some nice saves. I quite like his. Uh, spectacular one-handed uh, saves to the top corner because Bailey Peacock Farrell used to just stand and just fucking watch those. <laughs> I did think, because even though he should have saved those free kicks, I did think Peacock Farrell would probably have let one of those in. He just stood and watched. He wouldn't even have moved his feet. He'd just kind of, maybe just a swivel of the hips. And he was like, oh, in the net. <laughs> I thought you were aiming somewhere else. <laughs> but that Hollywood save late on, the top corner single-handed one, that was a good save. It was a good save. Yeah. Wall did its job, he did his job. He's going to be... And he didn't do anything apart from that little... Maybe the ball was in his hand as he threw it over the line or whatever. But there were no fuck-ups. No. I think there wasn't saw, even a hint of one. We really saw the benefit of it as well on a couple of occasions where he came and claimed balls and instantly threw it out and we were all of a sudden on a counter-attack. Because if you let a defender deal with that, the best that they can do is nod it sort of 10 yards back where it came from. Whereas when a keeper comes out and grabs it, he can then has the full pitch to... Play it into. I think that's what part of the game plan, isn't it? It's get it moving quickly, and you always felt that Peacock Farrell was never quite quick enough in that regard. People often don't like it when the ball goes uh, from the halfway line back to him, but it is genuinely useful that if Pablo Hernandez is on halfway and he can't see a way forward, he'll just turn around and just ping the ball straight back to Casilla, and we draw the team out and we start again from a different angle. Um, and it's really useful to have, and it's it is telling. You wonder what the players would have thought of him after May and uh, not just the Derby game, but the Ipswich game and all the games, everything he did. Um, but they don't seem to have a problem giving him the ball at any opportunity under like quite uh, frightening pressure sometimes. I think the fan anxieties never quite tally up with the player anxieties. Maybe that's it. They know I mean, what they're doing. I can say they'll see him do this all week. They'll see he practices this sort of stuff, whereas we had just used to decades of safe, normal goalkeepers. And then you see this and it is a bit terrifying to begin with. But I think we're adjusting. Yeah, today was uh, was helpful. Um, nothing spectacular going wrong. Having uh, having the threat of a six foot five beanpole nullified. Um, and even those early stages when they were um, snapping at us, they wouldn't have been able to keep that up all game. And it wasn't like we were about to let them score. Um, through any of it they were just it was just that thing of you end up with a throw in instead of the ball at your feet because they've harassed you into putting the ball out so yeah Wigan don't worry me they did look pretty knackered after an hour which I know they'd played a lot of that with 10 men but I, I feel like the pace they went out at the start of the game they would have been tired anyway because they were really getting at us for the first 
20 minutes until they had a man sent off. And I think our fitness is probably so much better than theirs that we'd have eventually taken them apart anyway. We saw that. We've not uh, talked about the Salford game at all because it was, a you know, it's like playing MK Dons. It shouldn't exist. Um, although it's uh, upsetting. I'm glad that uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was brought there to see see the shame of his uh, his children's side um, being beaten that way. But Click's goal, um, when his starting position, when the ball is cleared by Brady, is inside our penalty area. And uh, he beats a player who is about 20 yards away from the ball um, in the other half. That's exceptional. And I think you only really get that with a, maybe I'm looking at it through Bielsa tinted glasses, but there's only Leeds have players who can run that fast and that far in, it was the 80th minute or something, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. late in the game, we're doing that stuff. And that was the other thing on time. I was quite pleased today that although we didn't have the um, the first and the last, we were close to that West Brom game last year where we scored on half an hour and scored on an hour. So we divided the game up into those, uh, how many does that, three thirds? I, I don't know. Um, we divided the game up very neatly. So it's like what was good at the start of last season was that we were very good at turning pressure and dominance into a goal and that kind of faded towards the end of the season we'd dominate and we wouldn't score which was entirely 100% uh, all Patrick Bamford's fault I'm kidding um, but the, we've got back to that now it's like you want to do that you don't want to go more than half an hour of playing like that without scoring a goal um, and then you don't want to be playing more than past the hour in the second half without scoring another one and we're doing it Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Three games in then now, and do you think some of the anxieties of pre- and early season are now starting to settle down because we're top, top, top of the league and obviously going up as champions, book the bus, book the trophy, we're on on the way to the Premier League, boys. Can also confirm that Bamford is currently the top scorer. Um, He scored 50% of our goals as well. Uh, Taylor at Charlton has also scored three. 
and uh, Grant at Huddersfield has scored three, which is all of Huddersfield's goals. And I think that maybe helps as well when we're getting into the uh, the season now and Bielsa is here. Everything is fine. We're top of the league. Bamford scoring goals and uh, Huddersfield have sacked their manager. So it's kind of you start to see the the shape of the division coming together. There's no uh, there's no teams in in the championship have won all their games, um, and there is there are basket case uh, basket case uh, dog botherers um, flailing around making an absolute hash of uh, of being filthy rich from the Premier League. I'd have given him another another three months personally at Huddersfield. Really, really leave him till they're, they're properly in the mire. I think they've gone early on it, and it's probably going to save the season, unfortunately. But. Well, it depends. Who are they going to get in? Mm, that's true. Allardyce? Anyway, back to Leeds. Let's go back <laughs> to Leeds, and this is the match ball. We'll look at all this sort of stuff um, later on in the week. But uh, what I meant is specifically, like, you know, you look at Bamford, three and three, and he's now suddenly not the scapegoat, is he? And did, he's not even playing well. Didn't score in the League Cup, though, did he? <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, he's not even playing well and he scored three. But I think that's the nature of this team. It's like when Scum used to sign strikers and they'd get sort of 20 goals a season if they weren't doing anything particularly, just because the the team creates such a volume of chances and the ball's in the box that much that you're bound to get some. And if you can get better form through the season, then, that you know. I think he did some good stuff off the ball today as well. He did a lot of good chasing down. He was putting a lot of effort in, so... He was sticking well his arse into some centre centre backs as well, which was good to see. Roughing them up, getting that bony arse stuck in. It's um, and yeah, that's probably a, a good point about Bielsa's teams that because of their the way they're fine tuned and the way that the the system works so well and the way the instructions are so uh, clearly communicated, everybody knows what they're doing, so their jobs are relatively simple. It's one of the reasons why I think Berardi looks brilliant whenever he plays for Bielsa because he's got absolutely a real simple thing to do, which is score goals. Um, <laughs> she turns out to be better at than Bamford. Um, I'm joking. Again. Uh, again. Um, <laughs> but it, it does mean that players, if they aren't at their best, they still, they just have this function to perform. And as long as they perf- perform that competently, as long as the whole system is working, they will be of a level. I mean, you spoke there about volume of chances. Again, we did have a lot. Should we have scored more and won by more? Should really. And there were several points where I was thinking, just shoot, someone shoot. It was kind of Hernandez on the edge of the box. You think he's got a chance to shoot. Passes to Harrison, he's got a chance to shoot. Passes to Bamford, he's got a chance to shoot. But Do you not think, though, under a lot of those chances, you kind of, you look at the shape of play and um, there's always like a couple of men in front because they were sitting very deep and sitting in front mm-hmm. of us, weren't they? And it's just looking for that opening just to have the right angle and just that that just that half second long enough, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to trust him for now. Yeah, we do have a tendency, we showed it last year, of like trying to create, not the old Arsenal uh, beautiful goal, but trying to make the perfect chance. So like the one, Bamford's first goal is probably the, although it wasn't, it was quite engineered because Click put the, the cross back in. Um, that's where we want to end up. We always want to end up with the ball a yard off the goal line so we, and the keeper nowhere. Um, and until we get the ball to that point, there does seem to be reluctance to just, have a pop instead because we we think we're going to build a better chance, um, which can be frustrating sometimes. But uh, a cricket score would have been nice. Is that for the fair? opportunity? Is but- it fair though? Because I was going to say th- there are plenty of opportunities where we do take a pop. Like Dallas had a go late on, didn't he, and blazed it over the bar. So we do miss chances like that as well. It was one of the telling things about the Salford game was that was turning into a bit of a slog for the first uh, twenty minutes or so. 
And towards the end of the first half, Calvin Phillips had a shot. And then everybody else just started taking shots from outside the box as if they just thought, we'll just test that keeper, which I don't think we often uh, we often do. We don't just get that mindset. Let's just have a few cracks at him. Speaking of the scoring the perfect goal, in the it was kind of in the first phase of the first goal because there was a cross came in and it was missed and then the cross Ooh, came back in and we scored. Talking about phases. But you know, it wasn't like... It wasn't. It wouldn't be shown as part of as part of the goal. Was it this was, before we recycled the ball? We set recycled of, the ball. Set of wankers. <laughs> but we had the ball over on the right hand side in our half, and there was a really nice bit of interplay to get it out of a tight situation, which then resulted in the ball going over to the left, and the cross came in, which I can't remember the the cross was kind of overhit and missed everyone, but then it was picked up again on the right. Fucking Harris. Which was a shame because if that first cross had we'd scored off that. We could look back on that first little bit of interplay and marvel at how good we are. It all started with the Stuart Dallas nutmeg. Stuart Dallas has been absolutely amazing, by the way. I don't know when he became the best right back in the division. You know, we've um, kind of poked fun at the idea that the club was talking about continuity, maybe as an excuse not to buy footballers. But it's so true, isn't it? You're another year on. You know exactly what Bielsa wants from you, what's expected of you, what pre-season's going to feel like. And he's really adapted well. And maybe that's what it's taken for foreshore. They've all just taken that extra 12 months just to bed in and get used to it. And it's what we've never had since Grayson is the a manager starting the next, starting two seasons in a row. And it does make me think perhaps if we had given Steve Evans more time, <laughs> if we kept him to the start of the next season, perhaps if we'd stuck with Hacking Bottom, that continuity, well, players just learning it and not having to tear it up and start something else as, again. As Hacking Bottom made clear, he's the one who spotted Bielsa. So maybe you could have had Hacking Bottom in charge and Bielsa coming in as his able assistant, maybe the T-boy <laughs> or something like that. Players like Stuart Dallas, though, at the age he is, he doesn't really have any expectation that he will get better. You don't expect the 28, he's 28, 29, something like that. He's, he's knocking on a bit. If any of you are over I think the age of uh, 29, <laughs> like there is still some hope for the future. Keep, keep two, trying, keep learning every day. You can improve, you'll get somewhere. Two things. Um, he's in his prime, Michael. Uh, and second of all, I would kill to be 27, 28, well, 29. As would I. But as a footballer, you don't expect people to improve dramatically at that age, do you? No. Whereas under Bielsa, that does seem to have happened. We get players like Liam Cooper continues to improve and... Luke Ayling improves and Berardi improves. He can get more out of players who thought they knew everything. And Bamford improves as well. Bamford is still a young man. He's only 25 and he's improving. He's showing more aggression in the hands of a good coach. He's never had a playing season at two at a club for two seasons in a row, I don't think. I think this is the first time he started at the, the club he played for the, the season before. And that's got to help him as well because it is, I mean, people do kind of brush this stuff off, but moving house from... You know, he's got to find, and when you're shopping at uh, the level he's shopping at, there aren't that many million pound houses come on the market in Leeds. So he uh, he needed to uh, hire staff, okay, arranged <laughs> arranged for his gardens to no, be. No, but you're uh, right. Careful. You're right as well. There's a lot of shit that goes down when you move to a new club, and uh, not having to deal with it, um, I think, is probably a big help. No, you're right, and Victor Otto does touch on that sort of stuff, I think, in the uh, in the documentary, that it's a lot more uh, unsettling than perhaps you realise. And there was, I guess there was a, a point at which you could argue Bamford was a little bit like Lewis Baker, just going from club to club to club. Izzy Brown now in danger of falling into that same trap, just that kind of uh, almost like no man's land of Chelsea uh, up-and-coming players who are pretty good, mm. but are never going to make it at Chelsea and oh. never never seem to want to make it anywhere. That's why Jack Harrison's done well to get out of Man City for a second year in a consistent place as well, because otherwise he'd be starting again at, you know, maybe someone like 
Newcastle might have taken a punt on him in the Premier League, but it had been, you know, under Steve Bruce, not really learning anything, playing in a shit team. Whereas for someone like him to have the luxury of a second season under a good coach in a, playing the same position, it's quite nice for him. And one of the things you don't get in the Championship with 46 games is you don't get time to learn the, the training sessions. I think Bielsa is one of the few coaches who probably does try and teach people in those windows. Um, but generally you're playing, like we're playing again on Wednesday. So what's the routine? He'll be also, will probably have them in again on Sunday to do whatever he wants to do with them. But often it will be day of rest and then the recovery and then tactics meeting for the, the next game, discussing the plan. And then you're playing them on Wednesday night. So it's the travel and the, all the arrangements just for a pre-match. So there's not that opportunity apart from summer to sit down and say, this is how we're going to play, which is why, uh, Lummox is like Warnock and Evans survive to an extent because you're just you're in division where everybody's going like we haven't got fucking time to do anything clever so just fucking bang it long and score <laughs> and put the ball in the net you at the back don't let them put the ball in the net whereas um, Bielsa because he doesn't sleep and because of the way he, he works the players with these tremendously long training days packs much more information into them and gets much more out of them um, you wouldn't see Stuart Dallas improve but if he was playing for Neil Warnock because we saw what he did to Sam Byram, so he's not going to do anything to make a, a 27-year-old right-back better. But it's all about um, development and uh, it would be interesting to see if Stuart Dallas... Bielsa said that last season about the players will never play this this well again and I think there might be a a, a, a case where that continues into the second season and he, he may have been thinking they will never play this well again if I'm not their manager so when Aston Villa do want to come back for Calvin Phillips um, sell him high but uh, just nobody let on that he'll be shit again uh, once they buy him for 50 million quid and give him to Dean Smith (laughs) well you touch on Jack Harrison then he was great today I thought uh, one of the best players on the pitch Uh, Forshaw's in with a shout Bamford as well so let's have some early candidates for heroes and villains then as we've got these uh, last five minutes now to do Bamford Obvious candidate. Um, we make a lot of fun of him, and I, I think that should stop. No, I don't. I think it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, two goals. He won that game today, so that's three points that we officially put down on the chart to Bamford's goals. Uh, Latix TV, because I watched it on their stream. And normally when you get a oppos- opposition commentary team, you find them to be horrendously biased. Very, very fair. They were completely even-handed with this stuff. Like the the red card, they were like, "Oh no, probably is a red card." Fair <laughs> enough. Then when he was pulled up for the um the off the ball thing, which you mentioned, where Bamford got a free kick on the edge of the box again, they were like, "Oh no, I did see him drag him down." <laughs> Just oh, contrast that- with, during the Millwall one last year, exactly like, in when- the face. <laughs> he's, he's elbowed him in the face, in the fucking face. Yeah, where well, there was a handball just before our second goal. Actually, it led to the corner, um, for the for the Bamford one off there and um, that one as well they were like oh I think they did hit his hand you know <laughs> it's just it was just quite nice I don't know who they were but well done them I very much enjoyed Paul Cook I, don't, I mean I don't know if we're putting him in heroes and villains here which which one of the two because uh, he was entertaining because he kind of just lost his shit a little bit <laughs> yeah and I've, I've heard before as well that he at press conferences he'll ask if anyone's there from the sun and then ask them to leave <laughs> which I quite enjoy as well <laughs> Paul Cook can be uh, the hero. I, I was going to put his assistant up as one of the villains because I'm pretty sure I saw him at one point discussing things on the touchline with his hand over his mouth like it was like the El Clasico <laughs> or something. Like nobody, 
nobody watching Latix TV is going to be particularly concerned about, oh, I think they might be going from, they might be going, sticking another big lad up front. No, no, no. When you say that, I can fully expect Marcelo Bielsa is employing lip readers. <laughs> is that diligent? Anything just to gain that half a percent? Marcelo Bielsa's got them all bugged. And he's doing quite nicely for us. I would also nominate as a hero, uh, Fate, for leaving us alone today, because I thought when they did have that player sent off in the first half, um, there was the opportunity there for the Cosmos to be exceptionally cruel and just have a complete repeat of the, the Wigan game, which um, I think Stuart Dallas in advance was saying, uh, that, yeah, we would quite like to get that one off our backs. We owe them one. Um, and yeah, it was just being lined up. The stars were just beginning to say like, oh, no, you think you're over last season, but check this out and then wait until you play Derby again. But no, I think uh, um, fate left us alone and a, a regulation 2-0 win was probably exactly what we needed. And it was a regulation win. It was a good steady win, well-controlled, well-measured, seven points from three games, top of the league. Is that where we stay? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling confident? Yeah, let's, I'm happy with there for a bit. Oh, playing Brentford next to what as well, and nothing bad ever happens against Brentford. The return of uh, Pontus Janssen. Yeah, we've got the um, top of all the charts. And I think we'll stay there. We'll stay uh, top of the league table. We had that. We've missed that week, which will is annoying, but no reason for us to drop away from it now. And uh, Pat Bamford can stay top of the scoring charts. And the important bit from today: how much did you bet against Leeds today, Michael? Six pounds at half time. I had on that, which would have netted you. I think, I think it was like it was on it was on us to not win. So either so the draw would have paid out. I think it was like forty five quid or something. I'd have to check, but yes, I've lost six pounds today. Happy to do so. Great place to leave it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Matchball Podcast. We'll be back with the regular podcast in a couple of days' time. We'll speak to you then. The Square Ball Podcast. 